0: edition of With All Due Respect Strong Opinions on Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that's going to break it loose, going to keep a moving wild, going to keep a swinging baby. We are a real wild child. Greetings, I am Iggy Pop, your host for this predictably pragmatic podcast. With me, as always, is my main man, my chief collaborator, my here comes Johnny Yen again, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you, sir? I am doing all right. Um having fun working on the, um, the video portion of the show, the, the intro. So I, I know that you tweeted my insanely weird cartoon. Um, and I'm repurposing and taking inspiration from that. Excelente. As always, we'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, we hit the trifecta. In local politics, Mayor Dave Bronson is drowning and the residents of Anchorage are ready to toss him an anvil. I'm sorry, every time I hear the word Anvil, I think of Wiley E. Coyote, and that's pretty much Dave Bronson. Oh my God, that's hilarious. After yet another brutal week of COVID controversies and self-inflicted wounds, we'll discuss new polling numbers on Bronson, who has been in office only four months, and already the voters are ready to throw him out the door. In state politics, a special session is over after a record 217 days with no fiscal plan achieved. But Governor Dunleavy is already working on his next trick to cook the books to argue for a super dividend. In entertainment, we review a book about a 35-year-old Baltimore socialite with a prosthetic leg, who, oh, by the way, was one of the bravest female spies in American military history and helped America win World War II. And finally, in closing comments, Anchorage Assembly Vice Chair Chris Constant has a proposition regarding Eagle River that I am fully supportive of. I say it's time to stop letting the tail wag the dog. I also say it's time to talk some politics. Politics. And now for some politics. In local politics, last Saturday at Change Point Church, 1,200 people paid a $20 cover charge and enjoyed the two-drink minimum of tainted Kool-Aid to watch Mayor Dave Bronson be the warm-up act for a discredited Chinese doctor in a cadre of COVID vaccine skeptics. Bronson opened for the crowd by stating his administration helped organize the event, but kept it a secret to avoid the political backlash. Well, I think he failed there. Before the mayor seated to the stage to the Barnum and Bailey brothers of science, the mayor told the crowd that the night before, he dined with the headliners and, quote, over a long dinner, I've decided their science is the best. I'm sorry, my friends, I didn't realize you could shop for science. Then Bronson stated that security at the event was tight because the Chinese government was after this Chinese doctor that was presenting called Dr. Yan. Ooh, your host likes international intrigue. Yeah, baby. Well, as it turns out, Mayor Bronson got a flair for the dramatic just like his Chinese doctor got a flair for the discredited. First, Dr. Yan was a Chinese government critic long before COVID hit. She's been a regular on Fox News and Newsmax for almost two years, and she makes frequent appearances to groups like the Change Point Gathering. Also, not only does she make frequent appearances, but she tweets about them to her 116,000 followers on Twitter. Safe to say, ladies and gentlemen, Doc Yan ain't living in the shadows. And rest assured, if the Chinese secret police wanted to find her for any reason, they could just check her Twitter feed. Second, the doctor's work has been widely dismissed and roundly discredited by the science community. Even the Chinese government, not known for toleration, was like, Girl, you crazy, so you better sell crazy somewhere else, because we're all stocked up here. Dr. Yan's studies were described as non-scientific, factually incorrect, and junk science, while being accused of writing them to spread political propaganda. Dr. Yan's work is the equivalent of science trash, but apparently, somewhere between the shrimp cocktail and the mango mousse, Anchorage's mayor, who was currently presiding over one of the biggest COVID hotspots in the country, decided that Dr. Yan's trash was going to be Anchorage's public health treasure. But sharing a love of scientific malpractice isn't all Bronson and Dr. Yan have in common. Part of the major criticism of Dr. Yan's work has been a lack of financial disclosure that paid for her studies. Failing to identify your funding sources denies public transparency and raises significant ethical questions. What? You mean just like Mayor Dave Bronson's repeated failures to properly identify his funding sources? Like last week when the Alaska Public Offices Commission's upheld a $38,000 fine against Bronson for lying about his campaign donations and relationships with consultants? So it's clear... Both the doc and the mayor share the desire to mislead with both science and finance. So with Mayor Bronson tied up, whining and dining, crackpot doctors, what's his de facto mayor been up to? Well, it was reported that Anchorage City Manager Amy Domboski recorded on a house last month in, wait for it, Wasilla. So it would appear that Amy Demboski, the Anchorage city manager, is moving to Wasilla or at least bought a newly constructed house in a new subdivision in Wasilla. However, there is one big problema with all of this. Demboski's position of city manager is required by the charter to live in Anchorage. So did she buy a home without reading the charter first? Or is Domboski planning on moving out to Wasilla, possibly sensing a future political opportunity? Meanwhile, Domboski made the news again a few days later when former Assembly Chair Ernie Hall wrote a scathing editorial pleading with Mayor Bronson to stop letting Domboski be the de facto mayor. You'll remember Bronson told a local Rotary group two months ago that Domboski was actually running the city, and he himself was focused on strategic direction. Well, Ernie Hall, a longtime Anchorage resident who served on the Anchorage Assembly for six years, including two years as chair, pleaded with Mayor Bronson in an op-ed to show leadership. Please stop delegating your responsibility and do the job that you were elected and sworn oath to do and let Ms. Dimbosky do hers, Hall pleaded. Okay. So you got the Mayor stoking the anti-vax crowd at the Crazy Doctor World Tour 2021 while his de facto mayor is buying a house in Wasilla. So the question must be asked, while these two are clearly preoccupied and not running the city, just how is the city running? Well, leading the headlines last week in local government was the Jimmy Hoffa-type exit of Mayor Dave Bronson's homeless director, John Morris. You'll remember John Morris, the anesthesiologist termed homeless director. Well, Morris called a meeting last Tuesday to discuss issues with the current mega-shelter at the Sullivan Arena. As has been reported, the new contractor, who was hastily hired by Bronson and was a Bronson campaign donor, has been having significant health and safety lapses at the mass shelter. So 13 minutes into the meeting, Assemblymember Suzanne LaFrance, the committee chair, asked Morris a question, but there was no response. In fact, Morris was nowhere to be found. Seriously, it was like Ferris Bueller's day off. Morris? Morris? Anyone? Anyone? For two minutes, the meeting came to a standstill while people scrambled to find the guy who called the meeting. Not even the mayor's chief of staff knew the whereabouts of Morris. Finally, 15 minutes into the meeting... Jamie Allard, who had been on the call the entire time, finally announced to the group that Morris had quit the day before. Okay, two quick questions. Why did Allard wait so long to inform the committee Morris had quit the day before? And since Morris had quit the day before, why didn't the mayor's chief of staff know what was happening with her own staff a day later? Moving on. The big question is, of course, why did Morris quit? Well, there was no explanation given by the mayor, but there are apparently two credible theories that have emerged. Either Morris accepted a new job or Morris and Bronson had a falling out over the administration's direction on their homeless policy. So with the Sullivan Arena a mess and Morris's sudden and unexplained departure, where does that leave the homeless shelter process? As you know, the administration and the Assembly agreed to a facilitated process, and recently that has produced a pass forward. Side note: every Anchorage taxpayer needs to thank the Anchorage Assembly. They were wise to vote down Bronson and Morris's 22 plus million dollar mega shelter this summer, especially since the project we know now was never viable, and now the proponent has just quit and walked away. Thank the Assembly. They saved Anchorage taxpayers tens of millions. So, as the cornerstone of the facilitated process, the Assembly and the administration have $15 million dedicated for capital investment. $15 million in the account for the homeless shelter solution. Okay, everybody cool on that point? $15 million readily available. However, three times in the last few months, the Bronson administration has proposed spending those funds for COVID-related expenses. The Assembly, of course, has rightfully said no, because the Bronson administration hasn't identified any funding to replace what has been designated to fund the outcome of the facilitated process. The $15 million was set aside to shift the homeless population out of the Sullivan Arena. Without those funds, there is no shift out of the Sullivan Arena. The bottom line is the Bronson administration is trying to lure the assembly into spending all the money in the account to defund the facilitated process that they've never liked to begin with. And then they'll blame the assembly just in time for next April's election. If you listen closely, you can hear him now. The assembly made the homeless problem worse. The assembly spent all the money for the shelter. The assembly should have supported my mega shelter proposal. Yada, yada, yada. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been saying this for two months. Mayor Bronson is not interested in honest negotiations, and now the captain of his negotiating team has walked out the door without explanation. So in the last week alone, the mayor's homeless coordinator has gone Jimmy Hoffa. His real estate director has gone Luca Brazzi, His city manager has bought a house outside of the city. He was personally fined $38,000 for violating campaign finance laws, and he used the power of City Hall to organize an anti fax conference at the same time Alaska and Anchorage leads the nation in COVID cases. So, to quote the great Uncle Rico, How we feeling about the dealio? Well, over the last week, the people of Midtown spoke for themselves, and according to a recent poll on Mayor Dave Bronson's performance, all of Anchorage appears ready to speak as well. Last week, Midtown Anchorage residents had the ability to speak on the recall of Assembly Member Meg Zalotl. The vote was the culmination of a year's attempt led by Russell Biggs, an angry local man, and fueled by pro-Bronson supporters who accused Zlatl of everything from being the third gunman on the grassy knoll to using skim milk in her coffee. So with the same number of ballots cast as in the previous election, not only did Zlatl beat the recall by more than 20 points, but she added 1,200 votes to her margin from the last time her name appeared on the ballot. This recall not only made Meg Zolotl stronger and her support deeper, but it showed that Anchorage has had enough of Mayor Dave Bronson in his never-ending show of Looney Tunes. A few days after the recall went horribly wrong for Bronson and his pro-Bronson forces, local pollster Ivan Moore from Alaska Research Survey released new polling data on how Anchorage voters view Mayor Dave Bronson just 120 days into the job. Moore's poll was conducted between October 22nd and 27th, polled 458 voters with a margin of error of 4.6%. Mayor Dave Bronson's approval ratings. 35% view his job performance as positive, while 48% view his job performance as negative and 17% remain unsure. Mayor Bronson is at a 35 positive and the ink isn't even dry on his stationery yet. Now, the big question. If a recall petition resulted in a special election, would you vote to recall Mayor Dave Bronson? 44% said yes, they would vote to recall Mayor Bronson. 39% said they would not vote to recall Mayor Bronson. So... 120 days into office when traditionally an administration is still in the honeymoon stage? Well, Mayor Dave Bronson's approval rating is at 35, and 44% have had enough of him and would vote to remove him from office. 120 days into office after an election he won by less than 1,500 votes, and voters have clearly realized they made a terrible, terrible mistake. Ladies and gentlemen, we have predicted on this podcast for the last two months that Bronson's handling of the COVID surge would prove to be his downfall. Plus, when you add in the cronyism, the incompetence, and the disregard for ethics, don't look now, but the bottom looks to be falling out for Mayor Dave Bronson. A 35% approval rating and 44% would vote to recall him after only 120 days after being sworn into office? Wow. For those of us who have been keeping score at home, Mayor Dave Bronson's unprecedented collapse of public support shouldn't surprise anyone. He's been a feckless mayor surrounded by a revolving door of cronyism and incompetence. Ladies and gentlemen, the pendulum is swinging back as evidence of the recent recall vote and polling data shows. The only remaining question is how low will Bronson go and how much more damage will he do to an already exhausted electorate? In state politics, the four special session is over, and like Governor Mike Dunleavy's first three years in office, it was a waste of time and money. State lawmakers adjourned after being formally convened for 217 days, the most of any year since the creation of the Alaska Territory Legislature in 1912. Seriously, Dunleavy kept lawmakers in session for almost seven months, and still he accomplished nothing. Of course, Governor Dunleavy is upset, and God only knows why. He said the entire exercise was about a fiscal plan, but we know a fiscal plan requires revenue, and Dunleavy offered nothing by the way of new revenues after telling lawmakers back in July he would provide options. However, as the session continued to drag on, Dunleavy's only play was to cheerlead for a super dividend without any way to pay for it. For Dunleavy, the large PFD is the answer to everything, when in fact it does nothing to address the underlying problems with Alaska's economy. For Dunleavy, if he isn't successful in cajoling lawmakers into paying a super dividend, his re-election chances are significantly diminished. I mean, let's face it, this was the guy's whole pitch. This was his whole shtick. Remember the $6,000 dividend? Remember, Mike Dunleavy was a candidate who beat the incumbent Governor Bill Walker by promising voters he'd deliver thousands more in dividends than Walker did. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a quick look at the scoreboard and see how poorly Dunleavy has done delivering on his promise. After three years in office, after three years of paying dividends, Governor Mike Dunleavy has paid Alaskans $500 less in dividends then former governor Bill Walker during that same time of their term. Dunleavy's only hope for re-election is to be able to say he delivered in his promise of a super dividend to his burn barrel Republican base. So since bullying, extorting, and trying to change investment formulas hasn't worked in convincing the legislature to send out more free cash, governor Dunleavy's next battlefront is the state's revenue projections. Look for Dunleavy to argue that predictions of continued high oil prices mean Alaska can afford to send his burn barrel Republicans another government check. But once again, his pitch will ignore fiscal reality. Once again, his pitch will be that of Wimpy J. Wellington I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. While the governor will point to high oil prices, he'll ignore that production estimates are overstated in that recently Alaska's two greatest prospects for new oil production have been shelved. He'll ignore that while oil prices are high today, production is falling every day. But Dunleavy's push for a super dividend is dangerous in many ways. Not only because it's based on faulty economic assumptions, but it continues to prioritize dividend payments over fixing a broken economy. Dunleavy is also placing one of his biggest supporters, the oil and gas industry, right in the crosshairs of future taxations. We've talked about this before on this program. This sure as hell should make the industry think twice about writing checks to this guy. When his rosy future production estimates are not reached, the industry will be the target, not Dunleavy. The industry will be the ones with the deep pockets that government turns to to fund the dividend. After a session where more House Democrats voted to fund oil tax credits this year than House Republicans... Let me repeat that, ladies and gentlemen. This past session, more House Democrats voted to fund oil tax credits than House Republicans. Why? Because Dunleavy's burn barrel Republicans have already made it clear that funding a bigger dividend is more important than growing a sustainable economy and more important than the oil and gas industry, the same industry they are leaning on to pay their super dividend. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Dunleavy is not going to stop trying to cook the books to get a super dividend. Because if Governor Dunleavy doesn't deliver a super dividend, his re-election chances are going down the drain. And now, entertainment. Entertainment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk some entertainment. In 1942, the Gestapo sent out an urgent transmission. She is the most dangerous of all Allied spies. We must find her and destroy her. The woman they were talking about was a 35-year-old Baltimore socialite who had talked her way into special operations. She had become the first woman deployed behind enemy lines, and despite her prosthetic leg, she helped the French resistance and America win World War II. This is the breathtaking story of Virginia Hall, the American spy who changed the course of World War II. The book is called A Woman of No Importance, the untold story of the American spy who helped win World War II. It's written by Sonia Purcell. The book checks in at 316 pages and is an amazing read. Imagine being the most wanted spy in France being hunted relentlessly by the Nazis. Imagine seeing human heads of villagers stuck on posts as a warning to those who dare help you. Now, imagine finally escaping France and then turning right around and going back to continue the fight against the Nazis. I have no idea why this book has not been optioned to a movie. This might be the best spy novel you ever read. In one scene, while the Gestapo officers are frantically searching a farmhouse where Hall was suspected of hiding out, unbeknownst to the officers, the old French woman serving them cheese was actually Hall in disguise. This is a sit-on-the-edge-of-your-seat must-read. The book, again, is called A Woman of No Importance, The Untold Story of the American Spy Who Helped Win World War II. It's available in paperback, and boy, do I highly recommend this book. Politics. In closing comments, I would like to give a nod to a brilliant idea floated by Assembly Vice Chair Chris Constant last week in public testimony. Look, ladies and gentlemen, it's clear that Eagle River is not happy with their current relationship with Anchorage. I mean, it has been some time. This feeling has been manifested in a constant effort to break up with Anchorage and really outright hostility from Eagle River politicians. I mean, who can forget Anchorage city manager and future Wasilla homeowner Amy Domboski famously saying that Chugiak didn't want to be part of Anchorage? I hate to break it to you, she said, but we don't. We like our independence, we like our values, and we do things differently. Doesn't that sound like every corny breakup song ever? And yet every time Eagle River says, we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart— Anchorage always gets defensive and asks, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? And of course, Eagle River replies, yeah, I think I remember the film. And as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. And then, of course, Anchorage says, well, that's one thing we've got. Okay, when it comes to Eagle Brexit, I agree with Chris Constant. Let's give them what they want. In fact, let's hold the damn door open for them. Assembly member has proposed putting a question on the ballot asking voters if they'd like to kick Eagle River out of the family. I mean, let's ask the question. Let's give them what they want. If the tail wants to try and wag the dog, by God, let's let them do it. Enough of these idle threats and holier-than-thou attitudes based on zip codes. Let's create a referendum on Allard, Kennedy, and Domboski while giving all of Anchorage the chance to show the don't tread on me crowd what it looks like without being subsidized by the rest of the community. Chris Constant is right. Let's run secession up the flagpole and see how many voters salute it. It's time to stop trying to convince the likes of Allard and Company that we want them to stay. Think about Clark W. Griswold pleading with cousin Eddie to stay for Easter. It never happens. The fact is, Eagle River couldn't exist without Anchorage. Eagle River depends on Anchorage as a tax base that subsidizes the cost of their own. They depend on Anchorage as an economic center that keeps their residents employed and provides goods and services. But their elected officials like Allard and Kennedy are still so damn unhappy. So let's give them what they want. Let's put succession of Eagle River on the ballot. Instead of this being a referendum on Anchorage, let's make it a referendum on Eagle River. And in turn, let's publicly campaign on the benefits of having Allard, Kennedy, and Domboski running their own city and not ours. Eagle Brexit all the way, baby. Let's put it to a vote once and for all. Yo, it's time to put up or shut up. Well, there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and just in time almost lost my cool there for a minute that music means our time is up remember our new podcasts are available on thursday you can subscribe to them on your favorite platform or check them out at the anchorage daily news van how about throwing us your website details yo check out my weird stuff at abodabobrand.com. brand.com a-b-o-d-a-b-o-b-r-a-n-d.com Excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours.